Hello and welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy Kay. This is a podcast dedicated to simplifying the healing journey by aligning your self-care practices with your own inner wisdom and the natural cycles outside and within. Though self-care has become quite the buzzword, it's actually a vital tool that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore how to create a deep and meaningful relationship with ourself naturally, intentionally, and simply. Hello, friends, and happy Earth Day! Yay! And welcome back to another episode of Simple Self-Care. It's very nice to greet you here once again after I decided to take last week off of some things. Basically, all things content creation and information consumption. (laughs) I took a break from social media, newsletters, the podcast, the news, and feeling like I needed to be showing up in a certain way. I did this because when I took a moment to slow down and check in, I realized that I needed to tend to myself and my home in a way that created more of a supportive foundation for this unknown time. I was dealing with everything in a very reactive way and not a very proactive way, and it was leading to my own anxiety and overwhelm and frustration, thus keeping me from being of service to others. So I took a week off of the things that I could and the things that were in my control to make some time and space for some more important things at that time. And it was good. (laughs) It worked. It served its purpose. And I'm able to show up for you now with a new energy and excitement and passion that wasn't there before. And my cabinets are super clean. (laughs) I did a lot of organizing. It was very um, therapeutic. (laughs) So I realized that you probably didn't even notice my break or care why or that I did it, but I wanted to share this with you because I feel like a lot of us are running on unrealistic expectations and we are filling our time up with things that increase the stress response instead of calm it down. We feel like we have to stay super connected and up to date and be the perfect parent and employee and partner, and also have time for self-care, and deep cleaning the house, and making homemade bread from a sourdough starter that you are somehow keeping alive, right? (laughs) But in this time of uncertainty, please remind yourself that there are so many pockets of your day that are in your control, and you can choose to do what you do with your time, or at least how you go about what you do. And in those moments, ask yourself, is this adding to my stress and anxiety or is this easing it? Can you trade out social media time with some deep breathing practices or going for a quick walk around the block? What can help you connect more with yourself and your home life instead of connect with a lot of the outside chaos going on? Now more than ever, we need to be turning our attention to what truly supports us and be very wise with what we do and what we consume. And it's a constant practice, and sometimes I just need to take a break from things when they get out of balance, and I want to invite you to pause for a moment, check in, and see if there's anything in your life you can tweak or let go of so you can nurture yourself properly. Okay? Okay, so 
On that note, today's conversation actually fits perfectly in with my little soapbox tangent that I just went on because I get to share with you a very powerful conversation that I had with the kind and wise Heather McDougall. Heather is a social entrepreneur, a performer, a yoga teacher, a public speaker. She co-founded a company called Bogo Brush, which makes eco-friendly toothbrushes, and she works with people all over the world to support and create sustainable communities. And in our conversation today, we talk about the power of connecting with the earth on a daily basis to help nurture ourselves, but also as inspiration on how we can nurture the earth. So this can fit into things that calm down the stress response and creating a peaceful relationship with the earth instead of one that creates anxiety. Now we recorded this conversation back in early February before quarantine life was a thing. So we chat about her recent project with the Maldives that was going to happen this month but that has been put on hold. So the good news that is that there's still time to support it and be a part of it if you want to. But in lieu of that, right now, she's holding a video conversation series with the people that are part of that project. So be sure to check that out and I'll link to it in the show notes. And after you take a listen, I know you will want to learn more from her. So Heather has generously offered to give away a free 45-minute one-on-one session where... She'll chat with you on how she can help you or your business shift from eco-anxiety to eco-empowered. And this is just for Patreon supporters. So for those of you that are new to the podcast, Patreon is a way to support the production of this podcast and keep it going, as well as a way for you to get more content and support from each episode. You can join for as little as $2 and you get a chance to win this precious one-on-one time with Heather, as well as get access to all past and future bonus content. So head over to patreon.com slash simple self-care to join our fun little community. And I'll pick a winner for the giveaway Monday, April 27th. So that will give you all some time to hear this and join if you so choose. I'll also be posting a direct link for all supporters to Heather's Guide to Meditating with the Elements, which you will want after you hear us talk about it during our chat. And speaking of the chat, let's get to it. Take a listen as we talk about what sustainability is, how to turn your love for nature into activism, how to deal with eco-anxiety. Yes, it's a thing. How your thoughts impact the planet. She talks about her meditation exercise for connecting to the earth, how to create a sustainable lifestyle, not just consume more sustainable products, letting go of perfection, removing anxiety and judgment around your environmental decisions, traveling with purpose, and more. Enjoy. Well, thank you, Heather, for joining me from across the pond. <laughs> um, you're in Amsterdam right now, so it's very exciting to be connecting with Amsterdam at the moment, and you, of course. Um, yes, both <laughs> the spirit of Amsterdam travels as well. Yes, oh yes, it does. Um, so I'd love for you to just start, you do many things, and mm-hmm. um, and so if you could just start with a rundown of, of all that you're doing right now and what what you're about. 
so my whole projects in life, really everything is focused on sustainability. And I know that means a lot of things and it's kind of a loaded word. Uh, for me, ultimately sustainability is about finding ways to connect to humans and to the planet. And so the ways I do that are through, I mean, I have a product design company with my brother. I do public speaking and I travel the world engaging with communities all over from uh, Spain and the Maldives to communities across the United States and having conversations about what are, what, what are the things that are sustainable or unsustainable in each local community and then just learning and sharing together. Because again, I think it's these connections that just naturally as they happen, then solutions for a better world start to rise to the top. That's great. So why don't you share the product company you started with and just your journey with really creating this as a passion and as a consistent uh, foundation for everything that you do? So the product company, the name of our company is Do, as in do something to help the world be a better place. And our first product is called Bogo Brush, which is a toothbrush. And it's made with sustainable materials. So we make plant-based compostable toothbrush collection and then also a recycled toothbrush that can be thrown in your recycle bin when it's done. And the whole idea behind this product is we wanted to do and create something. So I started it with my brother and we wanted to do something that would help people think of the environment and think of their neighbors and other people every day. And we talked about a lot of different things, um, different products, and we just kept coming back to this idea of a toothbrush. So we kind of yeah, got to work. And now we're at a point where we're expanding beyond just toothbrushes, but it, it all has that foundation of just a daily habit and a daily awareness that you know, we're, we're more than just ourselves. And I guess it all really started while we were in school, and I can talk more about that. But from my brother's background in product and car design, and my background um, actually coming from law school and community building, and how could we put those skills together to, yeah, do something to impact the world? So I'd love to hear about how this love started because a lot of us care about the earth we care about sustainability but I'm not sitting here being like I'm gonna start a company that changes the world you know <laughs> like so could you share more of like I don't know how did it become a personal relationship with the earth and turn into something the scale that you've created but then also what could be other ways to just be sustainable like take your love and your connection to the earth and translate that into something tangible mm. so I mean for for with the product company for my brother and me I mean there's a million things right that I think when we all maybe sit back and just really think about how are we connected to the planet we can think back to all kinds of stuff from childhood or whatever. And, you know, we grew up in North Dakota, which uh, is, well, for us was a very like outdoor lifestyle kind of experience. And 
always being out, whether it's winter or summer. And of course, farming is a huge deal. And we didn't grow up in a farming family, but you're just in those rural communities, just very in tune with how's the weather, what's happening. Oh, if you heard any flapping, that was my dog. Um, (laughs) It's okay. Dogs are, there's many dog appearances on this podcast. Oh, great. Great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just growing up in a place where you're even just the whole community is based on weather and the environment in that kind of a way. But really in terms of sustainability and understanding it that way, it was um, when I was in law school and studying classes like environmental policy or energy law and food policy. And for my brother, he was in transportation design and he and I have always been very close. And so we would just have conversations about things we were learning about. And that was at the time that in Inconvenient Truth, that documentary by Al Gore came out. And so we were kind of starting to tune into what was actually happening to our climate and to greenhouse gases and all of this. And then just kind of found myself continuing to study it. And I think for me, the, the click moment for how I started to understand what it means to do something sustainably happened through reading The Omnivore's Dilemma, a book by Michael Pollan. And in there, he talks about, um, oh, what's that? Oh, symbiosis, which is that is like a word he talks about in terms of just the relationship that all things kind of have together. And he used it in the context of a sustainable farm and sustainable farmer. The guy in the book's name is Joel Salatin, but how on a sustainable farm, you have the cows in the area that eat the grass down to a certain point. And then you bring in the chickens, which eat the bugs out of the cow's manure and help spread the manure, which then fertilizes the grass and you know helps that grow. And so this whole idea that everything is connected and that's just one example but it was from there and then taking more classes and reading more books that it's like gosh every single thing we do in life from the food we eat to the health of our bodies to the power of our minds and our spiritual health like everything is everything is connected and like I said John and I would talk a lot and just together had a shared passion John's passion came from his background in design, but like just wanted to do something. We've always been creative, kind of action-oriented kids, and this was just another thing we could kind of create and and do together. How does it translate into, um, you asked, like, how does that translate into people's lives? Is that kind of one of the things? Yeah, just like if I mean, it's interesting hearing about your evolution because I think we're of the same generation where I definitely like read that book and that documentary (laughs) and like it definitely ignites a fire. Um, And I think it's, it ultimately comes to that question of what can I do about it? And I think your expression of that is you know, with the company, but also how that's evolved and the other things that you're, you have going on that we can talk about. But like, I think, I guess for the listeners, I'd love just to start nurturing that question of mm-hmm. like, first of all, the educational piece, and then how can that education turn into an empowered 
optimism instead of this fearful anxiety because I mean anxiety is like a term now like and our young people are really really struggling with it and very heavy with it and it's it's really interesting um so so maybe if you could share your insights on what you can do with the information and how you can turn it into a, a daily simple form of activism um and then let it evolve from there i guess yeah um i mean i'll say like on on one piece of it it's like from my experience it was definitely like the alarm bells right i think maybe you've experienced that too of at that time of like holy crap mm-hmm. like what yeah what the hell like you know existential crisis stuff of you know does it even matter that we try like why do I exist what's going to happen and I can get into a little bit of that in a minute and just how I've processed through through that for myself but I think also in through the education and because of the people I was surrounded with um my brother included it's sort of this like solution oriented or um, creative problem solving was just a kind of a natural thing that I guess we maybe grew up with. But it, for us, it was like, well, what can we do, right? What are the, and it, I think this relates to, you know, anyone listening to it's what are your, what do you know? What are the skills you have? What are the things you care about? And just kind of starting there for my brother and me, uh, in terms of the company, it's like, oh, my brother's a product designer. I'm a lawyer. What do we do? I worked for a venture capitalist. Like, I went to law school because I wanted to do something with social change. So I went specifically to learn about a lot of issues, and it kind of brought me to this point. But because of that, it's like I have these skills. I knew how to like organize a company. I knew how to, um, you know, talk about fundraising, all these things. So it's like that was just a, where for me. And for my brother, it started. I mean, it also started because of food, right? Reading The Omnivore's Dilemma and studying about food. It's like, okay, how can I choose to eat food that's more local to me? That was something I knew, right? It's like, I think in this is a piece probably about this eco-anxiety. I think there's so much pressure that is put on ourselves and that we put on each other. It turns into judgment and finger pointing and saying we're not doing enough right the planet is failing and we get stuck in this really stressful anxiety place like you mentioned and I think rather than thinking about all the things we're not doing it's for me it's always been this okay but what can I do and just getting started and I think once you get started in one area, then you start to say, oh, I can add this layer, I can add that layer, and to not worry about whether or not there's such thing as as perfect, because for me, it's kind of an optimistic thing to know there's no such thing as perfect. Sustainability mm-hmm. is relative to wherever you are in the world, and you know what what is really sustainable in North Dakota is probably not going to be the same thing that's really sustainable in you know, Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. So it's kind of letting go of this idea of perfect and feeling good and grateful for the things you do. And that for me, really and truly sustainability has become a spiritual practice, um, an energetic practice of um, finding faith in 
the fact that these things matter. Mm -hmm. So what helped you process it? I mean, you've mentioned a couple of things, but is there more that you want to share on that? Yeah, well, what's coming up for me is talking a little bit about this like existential crisis. And Mm -hmm. when I do like public speaking and things, I, this is one of the things I talk about um, is that, that, that idea of, you know, does it matter? Like, gosh, is this just pointless? And for me, I would even take it to the place of, okay, sure. Let's say we can, we can fix humanity and the planet and all these things, but then eventually the sun is going to blow up. So does it even? (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're all going to go away. And also the idea, the more I've, I've studied a lot about energy and the way that sci- like energy scientifically works and vibrations in the universe and how we're all connected through these fibers. And it's like, okay, well, if the universe holds things in balance, then again, like whatever happens here, it'll find a way to balance it all out because that's kind of what, that's just the nature of energy. It, it balances itself out somehow. And so feeling from these like hopeless states of okay, why even do anything? But almost the, the facts that made me feel hopeless are the things that grounded me back down. And the fact that, okay, I'm a human, I am alive on the planet right now. And one of the things that humans have that are, is our, our gift and our curse, I suppose, but is that we have our brains. And the brain is designed to think and to make choices and that's our part of evolution so for me it's this whole evolutionary line that as a human I get to help choose like the power of my thoughts both scientifically impact the vibrations of the world and just as a person I get to choose how I feel that my thoughts are impacting the direction of evolution and whether that we think about it in terms of like very hyper local evolution of our neighbors or our towns or our homes or even on this huge scale of evolution of the universe or the planet it's like we get to influence that that that's our our job as humanity that's our role and in, in the evolution so it's like okay grounding in that fact that no i do matter my thoughts matter my choices do matter helped me say okay that's why. That's why I should care. That's why I should try and uh, follow the passions and the callings that I have towards these these issues. Is like that's that's why we're here is to help influence the the direction of the world. I love that so much. I I actually went through an existential crisis this summer. Like I took time off of the podcast and social media and I didn't watch TV. And I was just like, I need to just figure out what is going on in general. (laughs) Like I was just Mm -hmm. like, I was having a hard time even developing my own thoughts about things. And, um, and I read some really great books. I did a lot of meditating. I spent a lot of time with plants and it yeah. and nature and everything. And I guess I, it's just, I, I love how you put it because it, it's just a lot more like succinct and, um, <laughs> and maybe what I had come to terms with. But I think that for me, it's like, yeah, I, there are so many things 
that I don't know. And I got to a point where I was even just really hating human beings. Like I felt Mm -hmm. like humans just have ruined everything and I don't Mm -hmm. understand why I should continue this race. Like (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. going into some depths um, that were important. Um, But at the end of it, it was like, okay, well, that isn't, uh, you know, that's not a great way to go about (laughs) living in the world and that there are, there's value to human beings. And there's this really um, amazing responsibility. Like you said, this, the power to, to make choices and have such an influence. And I'm not going anywhere that I'm aware of like anytime soon. And so what, what am I going to make of this life and what, yes. what role do I want to have within my local community, within the platforms that I've developed and even just what I choose to use in my day-to-day life, um, that are going to, um, make a difference and trust that there will be an echo of what I do. And I think that's where my holdups were is that that trust part, like Mm -hmm. trusting that it does make a difference and trusting that beyond my understanding, there's going to be a benefit to my existence and how I choose to serve and be. And, um, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it, it has, it definitely has helped to, um, look at it. And, and I'm grateful for how you put it because that helps me. (laughs) And hopefully it helps people listening as well. But there's a danger when you start to get really intentional to go too far down the rabbit hole. Like it opens you up in a way that is hard to handle sometimes. And it takes a lot of um, intention and guidance to not let it take over you in a destructive way. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's like, you know, I actually was at a, I was at a seminar here in the Netherlands, like presenting to some college students. And so when you're talking about eco-anxiety and kind of the upcoming, uh, you know, youth, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever we say, like, um, and in, I mean, I've talked to a lot of different, different students of that age too. And um, yeah, people are looking for, looking for that hope because it, it is really heavy and it can be really scary. And um, you know, I do carry a, a very huge amount of optimism, partially because of the work I do. I see into spaces where there is progress. Um, I've studied so many things from well, product manufacturing to economic theory. I've, you know, seen the way people around the world are, are trying to address these things and also just really getting deep into the study of, of energy and spirituality and things like there's, there's so much hope. uh, There's so much hope to be had. And um, yeah, I'm kind of like getting lost in my, my thoughts with it, but I know it can be so heavy. And, you know, on the, on the lines, one of the things that I've, I've been talking more about is, is sort of my meditation practice and, and the idea of, okay, we're all one, right? We literally, we all came from the same thing. Um, So we're all made up of the same stuff. And we are just kind of disconnected from it. It's this this idea that 
okay, if we listen to the planet, if we listen to each other, the more we connect and all this, like some of the messages will come through. If we get out of our own way, we get out of this fear-based thinking that there isn't a solution, we can start to see, maybe this is where I was going with it, is when we get out of the fear-based, we start to see all of the optimistic things. And um, one of the things that I've been doing is meditating with the Ayurvedic elements, right? So earth, water, fire, air, and space. And I mean, you can meditate on the Chinese elements, or you can just meditate on trees or whatever. But for me, it's been a thing that's like, I am the earth, like, literally, I'm the earth. And, and because of that, like, I am safe to be me and my voice and who I am and going through the elements and just finding that way to connect in meditation or uh, like you said, spending time with plants and somehow, right, you know, like when you're in those practices, maybe at first it feels kind of weird, but as you go, you start to feel the connections. You start to see the world a little bit differently. And um, that's been like a pretty magical, that's been a pretty magical tool for me uh, as I continue my personal evolution. And like, uh, I think I find different levels of optimism as I go. And the more I learn, right, then there's a new edge. There's a new edge of something to push through, of some sort of expansion, some sort of fear-based thinking that that is scary. So right now, really understanding that I am part of the earth. I'm part of you. We're all together. And really getting quiet and feeling that has helped me understand even more depth to how possible like sustainability is. I believe we are inherently wired to be sustainable and we've just gotten a little off track. I <laughs> kind of, yes. I like use an analogy sometimes of think about like humanity is like the baby of earth, right? Earth has all kinds of babies, but we're one of the humanity is like one of the babies and we've been growing up. And for a long time, we were so intimate with earth. Everything we did was like, very tied to it and we grew up and we kept learning and we went to college and we figured out how to do some pretty interesting and remarkable things right like build crazy skyscrapers and airplanes and um, manufacturing and all this stuff but in that process we chose routes that weren't quite compatible with with the planet and as we did that I think of it it's like this mother-child relationship that we stopped communicating as much. We stopped really seeing the signals of what our actions were doing to the planet. And we started making our own decisions, started being much more independent and moved from the consequences of the actions. And right, what happens if you don't talk to your mom for a really long time? Like pretty soon she's like calling you all the time. Like, <laughs> hey, are you alive? hey, you know, making a bunch of noise because you're not listening. And so that's kind of one of the analogies I think of with the planet and humanity is like, Earth's making a whole bunch of noise right now trying to be like, hey, kid, wake up, please. Mm -hmm. You're like not paying attention to these subtle signals that I used to be giving you. So now I have to give you these really loud signals. And because we're all part, you're from me, it's hurting you now, right? It's hurting humanity. And so I think of that, um, I'm like on a whole run with this, but it's like climate change sometimes I think of is I, there's all horrible things happening from climate change, of course. 
and there's this part of me that I've also learned to find an appreciation from it in the sense of we're so powerful. Like humans have so much capability to influence the state of, of our planet. And that means we have just as much capability to make other choices and to do things differently. Like we're so capable of solving this problem. It's, we just don't believe it. That's ultimately where I think we are. <laughs> or some of us don't believe it, I should say. Right. I'm just sitting here smiling and nodding with everything you're saying. I'm, fo I'm following your tangent. I'm with you. I think it's Good. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like it is true when you, because, you know, yeah, going back to the beginning, like of what, of what you're saying of is like when you slow down and try to connect with an aspect of nature, it does seem weird. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm totally like those crunchy hippies like hugging a tree you know yeah. but the thing is it's true <laughs> like you really like there is a pulse that is happening with every other living thing that somehow we have disconnected from and we're not actually that disconnected our bodies are constantly responding to that pulse mm -hmm. we just don't acknowledge it or we think oh my gosh what's wrong with me oh maybe I need this you know, medication or maybe I did that, you know, like there's, we're not acknowledging like that we really are a part of something we're not paying attention to. But when you sit with whatever element you resonate with, um, and my latest one has been with the concept of love and, mm. um, it's, it's a little new, new concept I'm meditating with, but just like, not the, like, I love you. And, you know, these like more you know, human relations, but just like love as a power force and mm -hmm. like a source for something. And, um, and that's been really an interesting experiment and has helped me just even relate in, in my client work to be working from that source instead of like, oh, I need to fix this person. You know, it's been really interesting, but it's like there, it, it's, it connects me to something greater. And at first it does seem foreign, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this is powerful stuff. And, um, and it's, it's real. We just don't want to go there or think it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. It's, in the, it's like a, we're at a really interesting time. I think, I think our generation is in, in a time where we're really blending these, uh, worlds of at least maybe like where we grew up it was more of this like this kind of talk is kind of like woo woo and weird mm -hmm. and like what are you talking about you know but there's there's things happening now where like science is starting to explain some of these things right where the worlds are starting to unite whether it's plant medicine or we're talking about like the energy of our thoughts, right? In the quantum field, like there's a doc Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but mm -hmm. he's been pretty influential in just my thought patterns and thinking things like in a big, broad way. Um, but he's like very applicable to very like detailed things as well. My brain just always goes <laughs> like out to yeah. the huge. <laughs> possible concept that it can think of but yeah we're like uniting these worlds and love like you said as a power force I love how you how you said that and for me too it's like we love is like what connects us you know if we think about it as yeah, separate from like the valentine's day style 
of love. But even with that, right? Like when we have our partners and our friends and things, like there's a force, right? There's something yeah. there that we share as as humans and we choose to acknowledge it or not, but it's it's not it's not like yeah, we don't we don't make it up. <laughs> it's not right. something fabricated and one of the things as you were talking about love that that comes to me, I mean a million things, but is that like this idea as I've been like meditating with the elements and really saying like I am the earth, like it's we are the same, like we're one and the same and um those different things is it gave me a new understanding of what compassion meant for the planet. Like I've been doing this kind of sustainability, like deep sustainability work for 10, I mean, how many years? Yeah, more than 10 years now, um, since finishing school, like probably 13 years. So it's been an evolution, but compassion in the sense of like, I remember this moment this summer I was walking, I was in North Dakota with my dog and I saw a plastic bottle on the ground and I was kind of a long way from my parents' house and I don't really want to like pick that up. It's probably super nasty. I'm going to get something <laughs> gross on my hands. And then this like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, if I'm the earth, like how would I feel if there was this piece of junk sitting on me? You know, mm -hmm. how would I feel? Pick the dang thing up, Heather. You can wash your hand. You have skin. It's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know, yes. and I just picked it up. And I think that, yeah, it can the this the fear stuff happens when like you said we feel like we're not making a difference um when we feel like picking up that bottle doesn't matter but it does you know like you said it comes to this like faith and we're meditating on things like love and all of this like it's a faith-based practice that i think now we can also look to certain scientific proof that even these small things really do matter even if it's just in helping us change our mindset so that this has been a lot of the work I've been doing for the last year and a half is like like the fact that just even by changing the way we think maybe it's not making a huge global impact like my me picking up that plastic bottle but it's training my mind to be open to concepts and conversations about sustainability and when we're open to that, then when big questions come through, like policy debates, or we're, you know, having a conversation in our communities or whatever it is, we, our minds are more conditioned and open to be thinking about these kinds of solutions and topics. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like it's a mindset training game as well. Yeah, it does make sense. And I think that there's a couple of things. One is the idea of making a difference. Like I used to collect a lot of um, rocks and flowers and things from my travels. And I still do every once in a while if the situation um, feels right. But I thought about going to a national park and taking a rock that I think is cool. And then I looked around and I'm like, what if everyone else here right now took a rock or took mm. a flower or a plant? And at first I'm like, oh, this is such a like cheap, awesome souvenir and I love nature. But then I'm like, that's not cool. Like <laughs> mm. if everybody was like me and took something, 
then it would totally mess with the ecosystem. And so I think about that even in a positive way of like, what if we all picked up trash when we saw it? Like Mm -hmm. if you start looking at your habit as a part of a collective habit that could be happening, then it definitely makes a huge difference if that becomes the norm, you know? And so, and if you pick up some trash while you're with your friends, then they'll might be inspired to pick up trash and it just can have this um, effect, you know, of picking stuff up and cleaning things up and preserving things that, that can be preserved. Um, The other thing I like about what you said is that with the concept of self-care that I teach and that I promote on this podcast is that it all comes back to your own personal practice and taking the time to check in. And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily this routine that you read online or some luxury thing that you do when you have the time and money, but everything good in the world comes from you taking the time to check in with yourself. And so even with sustainability, even with saving the world, it's not going to happen if you're not taking the time to tune in to what the earth actually is <laughs> and mm-hmm. how and your really and your role with it. I just love I've never heard anyone talk about sustainability that way and bringing it back to your personal practice, your spiritual practice and just taking a time to connect with it and then and then acting upon that relationship that you've built. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think because of the way humanity and societies have evolved, we've just grown apart from these practices that used to be part of human and earth relationship naturally. I mean, I talk about Ayurveda because that's you know, what, a lot of my background from being a yoga teacher for you know, whatever, over 10 years and studying that kind of stuff. It's, but it's like every culture has these things, these rituals, these experiences that they used to step back to reflect on how they are connecting with, with the planet and with each other in in different ways. And um, that's why I like think about it as like a disconnect. Like we've just become disconnected from, from this stuff and separated ourselves and, in in all kinds of ways even our religions are like more separate from nature now and uh it's just it's i don't i don't put like a judgment on it in the sense of like oh how dare us it's just part of evolution and now here we are and we see oh we aren't taking that time in the same way and uh we can like we can we can choose to take that time and um experience what happens but it's an experiential thing I think more than like this empirical, if I do this, this is going to be the quantifiable result. And that's, that's difficult because especially in like the United States and Europe and places that are very um, empirically based and they're justifying things like it's tough to, it's tough to like step into that space. That's a little bit more, um, yeah, experiential and, Mm -hmm faith, faith based, but yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, something came to my mind, but it's, it's kind of like, it's 
flipping out right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the religion part, I think that um, I feel like not only has it become disconnected from nature, but also from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the people, the religious people that I respect the most are the ones that have made it a very personal and intentional relationship with the higher powers and that that religion happens to help them express that the most instead of this religion being something that controls and makes you feel guilty and makes you feel like you're not enough or that you have to save face you know all of that gobbledygook is like distracting mm -hmm. you from the core of what the religion was probably about in the first place and so that's religion can be a really powerful vehicle to tune in to your true self and most of the religious people I know um, have a very strong relationship with nature as well because they've mm -hmm. taken the time to use their religion to calm and connect instead of all of the other negative things that can happen in that kind of setting. Yeah, you're totally, you're totally right. It, it is in like how it gets communicated and um, probably I'm, I'm not a religion like expert at all. So <laughs> I just thought you should have stopped there. I'm not a religion period. <laughs> but, you know, like, I don't know. It's just probably like gets oversimplified, but you know, into that space of like guilt and thinking that the religion is outside of ourselves, just like we mm -hmm. think the planet's outside of ourselves and that um, we're trying to live up to something rather than like live within and live with that force and that the power and the higher the higher love um and um I think that even even that like it's that that attitude when we think about even our daily actions with sustainability and whether or not you're remembering your grocery bag or you're using the plastic bag right we put so much pressure on ourselves um, like these kinds of external factors, it does matter, right? Bring a bag. That's a good, that's a good choice, but that's not the sole factor on whether you are living a sustainable, like a mm -hmm. life that's pointed towards sustainability. Um, you know, it's, it gets into this, I, this thought that there really is no such thing today as a perfect solution. I'll use an example of, um, uh, let's talk about, I'm going to talk about plastic versus glass for a minute. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about like juice, right? Juices that are packaged in a glass bottle versus juice that's packaged in a plastic bottle. And this is a big can of worms I'm opening. So I totally understand <laughs> where I'm headed, but I like it. just on a, on a simple kind of like, let's look at this and uh, on, on what's happening. The, the, I think the, the, you know, eco trend is let's use glass jars, let's use glass bottles, right? Because that's easier to recycle. It's not plastic. It's not going into the waste. And there's definitely truth to that. But there's also a piece that's saying like, well, if you really look at the entire life cycle of that product and that, you know, what's happening with that juice in the glass bottle, is it better? Like a glass bottle is much heavier than a plastic bottle. So to ship that bottle, how far is it getting shipped? I don't, you know, some glass containers are shipping a really long way. So it's taking 
five times as many uh, resources to ship that bottle somewhere. Um, it takes you know, an incredible amount of water to produce glass um, like, and to recycle glass and things like that. So it's, I mean, these are just like a few little factors. So is there a way to use something that's a plastic, right, that saves on shipping, it saves on like, you know, the consumption of the logistics of the product, um, but that that plastic bottle's not ending up in our waste streams and like our ecosystems and stuff like that. I'm just saying it, it on the surface, things look like they're very straightforward, but when you really get into it, you know, it's, just not there's no perfect solution so i say that saying keep using glass containers like if that helps you feel really good about the planet and sometimes it is a great thing right buying in bulk and storing in containers and all this but it's just remember that the system is so much deeper than what we see and that our supply chains and our manufacturing systems and like the economic system is is very complex and it's not always what we think is the most sustainable choice um, that, that it appears on the surface. So do your very best. Don't point fingers at people for making other choices because they might be making choices that are quote unquote better than you in other areas of their life or who knows what. So it's like, do what you can, choose to feel really grateful and attach that choice to something to the earth. No, I'm choosing this glass container because for me and in my personal journey with sustainability, this is what feels right. And trust that. Trust that intuitive, that intuitive uh, decision and know that that intuitive decision is one that, that is probably your relationship with the planet. So it's going to be something better energetically and whatnot. But other people's relationships and journeys with it might look different. It uh, doesn't mean it's like better or worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that. It's it's definitely complicated. And when you start, we won't go down the rabbit hole of recycling right now. Yeah, <laughs> but, my gosh. I know. <laughs> it could be its own podcast, probably. Um, but it's it I think what helps me is how do I use less of whatever container is mm-hmm. happening, you know, and and not obsessing so much about the the minutia of of things, but being like, because there's a time when I was like, I'm going to be zero waste and I want all of these beautiful zero waste products that I see on Instagram. And then I thought, okay, what would it actually look like for me to do that? Well, one, I would be throwing away what I'm currently using, which still works. And mm-hmm. like, that I could keep using for a long time and then, and then figure out what to do with it instead of like, I'll I'll be creating more waste by creating a zero waste kitchen. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, and, and that's true with, we've talked about clothing on this podcast before, but even with like clothing and everything, it's one of the most sustainable things you can do is just to make the most of what you have and acquire instead of, cycling things through so quickly. And so mm-hmm. my my household plan is to if when it comes time to buy something new, then that is when I can make a choice about what those materials are and how I dispose of things, but to just 
you know, we can create more chaos and stress and anxiety with even making our lives more sustainable because we think it has to be this picture perfect kitchen that we see on someone's Instagram post or something. I know. I did a, in Detroit, I did a, an event with a good friend of mine. Her name is Casey. She like runs a studio there called Citizen Yoga, but we did a, an event on, um, we called it sustainability in sadhana, which is basically, right, the sustainability in sadhana is like your personal reflection and how does our, like how do, I'm oversimplifying, of course, but the, how do we sustain ourselves spiritually, more or less, and how does that relate to to uh, the planet and these kinds of topics yeah like clothes and products and things it's 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 a big it's a big topic it's an important one to think about but exactly it's like if we can remove the anxiety to me this is a huge thing if we can help remove the anxiety around our choices and around judgment just like we try to do in our own personal development right when even like this morning i was kind of in a state of stress and I get stuck, right? I knew it was dumb. I knew like, okay, stress doesn't move anything forward, right? That's, it's not going to help me to be here. And the same thing happens in our relationship with, with sustainability. If we feel anxious about our choices, we're going we're gonna to radiate anxiety. We're not going to be happy. We're going to constantly be judging ourselves and judging others. And right? What happens when we judge others? It creates disconnect. It's the opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to be listening to each other and hearing each other with compassion. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way that progress happens, being open and not closed off. So again, like we've said, it's like back to yourself, give yourself a break, do your very best, No, there's no such thing as perfect, but that by taking these steps, you're going to feel better. And it'll start to awaken an awareness between you and the planet, between you and your neighbor. And you know, I'll tie it all the way back to Bogo Brush and our and do our company. It's again, like we created it because we wanted to make a better toothbrush. Absolutely. But we wanted to make a better toothbrush so that it would help people expand their awareness and think about the planet and think about their neighbors more every single day because it's through those stories of connection that we can open up we can relax and be more receptive to creativity and solutions rather than being stuck in these anxious places i love it and along those lines you have a new project going on that when i read up on it it definitely seemed like it was a product of just staying open and like it, you started it as one thing and now it's evolved into this whole other thing <laughs> and following your nudges from the earth. So why don't you share a little bit about what you're doing with the Maldives? Yes. So I have started a new project, but an evolving project out of things called Traveling with Purpose. And uh, it, it's, yeah, about the, the idea that when we, you know, I'm going to say the word connection like 85 times, I feel like, but <laughs> that, like it, when we travel and we meet people, I mean, everyone, no matter if you've traveled to like a town 20 miles down that you've never been to or halfway around the world, like 
you learn something, like a little bit of you changes because you've connected to something new. And so it's kind of taking that and applying it into the terms of sustainability and the planet and humanity is when we travel, how can we be more intentional to connect to parts of these places that are like, you know, into the fibers and embed ourselves with the people and the nature there so that we really expand. And this it started through Bogo Brush, actually. And because Bogo Brush is, I, I talked a lot about like the environmental piece of the product itself, but um, it started as buy one, give one, which is why it's Bogo. And we still do give toothbrushes sometimes, but we've expanded from just toothbrushes because sometimes a community needs something other than a toothbrush. So for instance, like we have partners in Spain and there we contribute to reforestation. So planting trees, which is a huge issue there. You wouldn't necessarily um, know of it, but Spain is a big migratory path for birds from Africa up into Northern Europe. So they really need these forests. So anyway, that's just like one example. Other projects as well, including partnering with, um, is it Longspur Prairie Grass Fund in um, Moorhead, Minnesota? They do. Yes, with Peter. Yeah, with Peter, like planting grasses and um, anyway, lots of different different causes. Well, the Maldives came about because there's a hotel, the Hard Rock Hotel Maldives, and the general manager there, his name is Tolga. He's uh, he's a visionary in the hospitality industry on how to make these luxury resorts more sustainable, which is um, yeah a very remarkable feat. And it turns out that a toothbrush is actually a really great product for the amenities team to start swapping out. So he and his wife actually found Bogo Brush. And now Bogo Brush is a partner there. And they put Bogo Brushes in every single hotel room in the resort. And as part of that, just like whenever we, when Bogo Brush comes into a new relationship that feels really significant, I'll go into the community and I meet it. And I use, um, I call it my eight limbs of sustainability. It's it's a process. This would be a whole other thing to talk about sometime, but it's like eight limbs of of what my brother and I kind of created this together. It's how we created Bogo Brushes. If we look at all these different perspectives, these eight limbs of what it means to be a sustainable society and group of people, if we look at it from lots of perspectives, the outcome will be more balanced and therefore more sustainable. So I do the same thing when I go into a community. I, I, to really embed, I say, all right, I want to talk to artists. I want to meet the food system. I want to meet the business systems, the healthcare um, you know, the, the ecology. So like eight of these different things. So I went to the Maldives, just like I've been doing in other communities for about five years. And when I was there, uh, it was, it was nothing short of a universal, magical, godlike calling that I needed to go back and I need to bring other people. And so I'm doing that in April. I'm going back I'm calling in a small team of folks for this time around. If anyone's interested in traveling with purpose and learning about the Maldives, like hit me up. Um, but it's so remarkable. I think, you know, I didn't even really know what the Maldives were, honestly, until I lived in the Middle East, which I moved there five years ago. Because it's, it's kind of like the Hawaii of the Middle East or something, right? It's just a few hours away, so it's easy to get to. But it's an island nation in the Indian Ocean. 
And they are literally on the front line of climate change. They're the lowest lying nation in the world. All we really know of them, if you look up the Maldives in many cases, is these luxury fancy resorts, you know, hotel rooms on stilts in these bays. And it's beautiful and it's it's a true part of the country, but there's this whole like vibrant local community that really gets overlooked. And the Maldives is uh, is thought and is predicted to be underwater, basically, or not habitable because of rising sea levels within 30 to 50 years. So, you know, talking with the locals, they're like, yeah, it's kind of the hopeless part about living here. You know that you're not going to have a home. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, crap. Like, hmm. Guess my life is different, right? Like, what a <laughs> yeah. perspective. And yeah. so you have this, but there's just also so much vibrance and beauty and um, the nature is unbelievable. I just had the most profound experiences with nature. A 20-year fear of water was completely gone. Just wow. I, all kinds of things. But they also, the Maldives, um, really, they didn't have 24 hours of electricity until maybe 25 years ago. Um, they didn't have garbage until basically 25 years ago. And so now there's these really small islands. A lot of the islands just aren't like socially equipped with how to handle garbage. And so they pile the garbage up and they burn it or it blows into the ocean. It's killing sea life. Um, yeah, there's just so many issues from coral and marine life issues from rising sea temperatures and a million things related to climate change that they're dealing with. Um, and it's like, it's, it's tough, but yeah, lots of beautiful people too, like doing some really cool stuff, finding solutions, and they just really want to be heard. So there's this beautiful story about the Maldivians and who these islands are that, um, you know, we're raising money for a documentary about it to help connect their story to the world. This is something that's come out of that travel. It's something they, they want. Um, but then also just on the very personal level, like I said, when you travel, you meet different people and you expand. And the more we expand our minds, the more we connect to each other and to nature, uh, you know, you can't, you can't unlearn that. You can't unexperience it. And it helps us realize that, you know, we, we are all in this together. So let's travel you know, if traveling is the thing you like to do, let's go, let's meet these people. I'll show you parts of the community that I've been able to, you know, open up and build into, and we'll just see what happens. Mm. I'm, I'm on board. I'll do it. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's chat. We'll chat later. We'll talk about it. (laughs) No, for sure. And like, you know, a thing that I always like to say to you is that when I travel, you know, I'm, I, I've sort of just naturally been following what right now I'm calling like two rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and now that I'm inviting more people into this, I've been trying to articulate it a little bit. And two things I, I really try to follow is number one, like I do everything I can to not bring assumptions to the table. Um, I mean, first of all, that's an impossible task because we're humans and we have brains and that's how we organize the world. But 
you know, when you recognize, when I recognize I'm making an assumption about the way they live or however, it's like, check it and then ask a question, turn it into a question. I don't know anything about where they are. Even, you know, the town down the street, like we don't know what people are going through. So I don't bring my assumptions into the, into the community. And then the second thing I do is I don't let myself offer any ideas or solutions until I'm either like explicitly invited or the relationship has evolved to a point where it's just like a natural brainstorm conversation. But I think, I think it can be troubling whenever any outsiders come into a community, whatever that community is and wherever the outsider is, when someone else comes in and tries to understand things, I mean, first of all, there's like emotional tension that happens. Um, and second of all, sustainability is like a very local issue it's local and global but you've got to we've got to for me I should say I go in and I just want to learn what it means there so I don't know so teach me teach me everything there is and if the relationships are sparked and it seems like there's opportunity to continue talking and doing things then let's do it and if not cool that just means it's you know not an aligned fit but yeah those two things no assumptions no solutions just going to learn and expand myself and to see what happens. That's very wise. I definitely have a lot of thoughts on travel as well and those and how to, the importance of it and making space for it. I talked about it a little bit on a podcast, I think a while ago. I don't remember what episode, but it travels in the title, but um we should just do another podcast on travel in general because <laughs> it's yeah. there's a lot um and uh and I like I definitely like those approaches when you're trying to support a a community um it's very very important but yeah. for the sake of time we'll wrap things up but um so how can people support your projects where can they find you um yeah so, um, I mean, you can find me Instagram, um, probably can like Google Heather McDougall or Google, you probably could do that too, but uh, on Instagram, <laughs> you can probably just search Heather McDougall, but I'm at, um, hello, this is Heather. That'll get you, that'll get you to me. Um, you can find me online. My website is this is Heather.me. Um, or just send me an email. It's hello at this is Heather.me. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the links that you sent me about um, the Maldives project as well as your website and stuff. So Great. people can check that out on the show notes and awesome. Well, this was a very powerful conversation. I'm very excited to share this with the world and hopefully give people some inspiration and some foundational tools to use to, um, continue their own evolution of connection and sustainability. I think it's great. Awesome. It's been, yeah, I'm, I'm glowing and floating around over here. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's all we want. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Randy Kay, a holistic health practitioner and educator that has been helping people heal through body work therapeutic yoga, and self-care coaching for over a decade. My mission is to help people simplify the healing journey by amplifying their own inner wisdom and teaching seasonal self-care practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or post it on social media. 
And if you do that, please tag me so I can see it and connect with you that way at Naturally Randy K. You can also commune with me via email if you sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter, The Simple Letters. You can sign up at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash newsletter. And hearing from you in some way totally makes my life and I always make sure to personally respond. And be sure to join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.